Well, hello and welcome to episode five of the True Turf Super Series. Uh, very special guest tonight, our first uh, member from the United States of America joining us on the Super Series. And I would like to work, uh, welcome Noah Goldstein from Old Sandwich Golf Club. Uh, Noah, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. No problem at all. Um, well, what a wonderful facility you've got. I haven't had the chance to visit in person, but a very um, uh, top facility, one of the world's top 100 golf courses, around the 50s, I think it's been, been rated at. Um, can you tell our listeners a little bit about the golf, golf course? Open in 2004, golf only facility designed by Bill Corr, Ben Crenshaw. So one of the best, uh, you know, modern architectural duos, just a truly special piece of property built on really excellent pure sand soil. We just have a great, great place for golf and a really beautiful part of the country as well. It's uh, Eastern Massachusetts area, home to some really great golf courses, but yours ranks well and truly up there with the best of them in that location. Uh, you've been lucky enough to be there for 11 years, I think it is, uh, roughly, and uh, have recently taken over the, the top role as, as golf course superintendent. How's the 11 years been? It's obviously been a, a great facility to work at. Yeah, it's been great. So 10 years as the senior assistant, about a year, almost a year now as the head superintendent. Truly a special place to work from the senior management, ownership group, club president on down. It's just a really great place to be. You get treated really well, taken care of, and get to be in a, in a, you know, a beautiful place to live in the country. So it's been a great time here. I've been here since I was uh, 22 years old. And Absolutely. No plans on leaving anytime soon, that's for sure. <laughs> Not ready to walk out the door just yet. And why no. Why would you want to as well? As I said, I've been able to look at it uh, from uh, a, a bit of a distance, uh, you know, doing some research for, for this. And people... Um, just tell a great story about the, the work that Cor and Crenshaw have done on what was a really good piece of land anyway. Um, right. tell, me, tell me a bit more about what makes the, the golf course uh, unique for you. So obviously great land, pure sand. Uh, so it's a, a great medium for growing grass. Um, you know, Bill and Ben, when they built the property, you know, they really didn't have to move very much land at all. So just it's just golf and it's natural environment. It, the golf course has only been here for less than 20 years, but looks like it has been here for a hundred. Uh, it just blends very seamlessly with uh, the surrounding land. Um, really did an awesome job incorporating the, the natural landscape into the game of golf. Um, it's really fun. It's a little different than a lot of golf courses in the United States because the ground game for golf comes into play here a lot. Um, so I think that's like unique and special. Um, so really fun our grass types really um you know are are good for that and the way we try to manage it good for that as well so what type of grass have you got across the facility so uh fairways fine fescue colonial bent was the original seeding mix a little bit of creeping bent mixed in there now um just because of some you know cart traffic mm. uh, trying to keep things going yeah and then uh teas you know that same same mix and greens are a pure pure bank grass, uh, mix of six or seven different varieties to make it look very modeled and look like it's been here for a very long time. So I was talking the, uh, to the um, superintendent Royal Adelaide Golf Club uh, a few, uh, a couple of episodes ago. And, and similarly there, they have a, a mix of bent grass varieties in the greens to give that modeled approach. And, and as you say, I suppose 
um, as it's been only opened in 2004. And it just looks like such a natural piece of the landscape. They're, they're really going for that look of it has been there forever. Absolutely. And they really achieved it. Mm. Well, they've got a great track record of uh, and wonderful design team anyway, but a great track record of, track record of using the existing land. I know we've got a, a Barnboogle Dunes down here uh, in Australia that done some work on it as well, but um, not a lot of dirt was moved in that as well. But just, I suppose, it adds such a, a great feature to the course when you, you can just use that natural land topography to, to make such a great golf uh, experience. Absolutely. Yeah. So 45 holes, um, uh, how big's the team and, and what goes into the, the challenge of managing a facility like this? Oh, so we're actually only 18 holes. Oh, are you? Okay. Yep. 18 holes, uh, actually 19. We have a, we have an True. extra par three as a bet settling hole. Yeah. Uh, kind of fun. Um, just an interesting, cool little par three. Um, but yeah, so 18 hole facility golf only, as I mentioned before. Mm. So we don't have any tennis, uh, no pool, none of the, the country club amenities, just, uh, pure golf. So we have a, a team of about close to 30 taking care of the, of the property, 55 acres of maintained turf, which is, you know, on the lower end of maybe how much turf we maintain, but that's because we have very minimal maintained rough, you know, 35 acres of fairway and only about 10 acres of total rough. So, yeah, you know, okay. we can mow our rough in four hours in one single day, which is, which is different for, for the United absolutely. States. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of superintendents out there who'd be quite envious of the ability to buy the rough in four hours. I think so, yeah. But then uh, I suppose that provides you with a great opportunity then for the available time to maintain those playing surfaces. Yeah, it, it does. It's also, it takes a lot of work to maintain a property like this and, and to achieve that look of being natural. And we do mm. we work really hard to achieve the natural look and people don't necessarily realize that that still takes a lot of work. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, Absolutely. not just uh, letting things brown out and pushing things to the edge, you know, requires a lot of hand watering, a lot of yep. hand work and, you know, getting the bunker faces shaved down and you know what I mean is you, you can't do it with a rotary mower you have to do it with a weed whacker and you know mm. those little hand touches you know require a good amount of labor to get it done yeah very much so very much so and that's the attention to detail I suppose certainly the facility uh, that you're managing there and, and others around the world as well that that comes into presenting that course as the members especially in this instance would want to see it as they come out to play Right, absolutely. Yeah, you, I did see on your LinkedIn profile that you do say that you're dedicated to providing conditions or favourable playability in a, in a responsible and a sustainable manner. Tell us yep. a little bit more about that. What how, what's that mindset, and how do you put it into into action? Well, I think sustainability is a is a huge goal of my my career. Mm -hmm. um, coming from you know, my childhood, just uh, my father was uh, ran an organic natural foods cooperative mm -hmm. for most of his career in life, so that whole like sustainability and, and being, you know, gentle on the environment is very important to me. That's not to say that I'm not willing to use, you know, some products we have to, but I just want to use them in a responsible manner yeah. and want to be more responsible in my water usage, fertilizer usage, chemical usage. So, um, you know, allowing, allowing the turf to, to brown out, you know, as you know, like pushing the water to the limit, mm -hmm. the playability aspect, letting it be firm and fast, um, you know, and, limited fertilizer, limited chemical, uh, just trying to use them in the most sustainable and, you know, reasonable manner as possible. So yeah. um, huge goal of mine is to just, you know, continue to reduce inputs to the, to the point where you can and still achieve a, a you know, a wonderful product at the yeah. same time. 
Absolutely. So you were doing a range of testing over the course of the year then to, to look at the balances that you got about that, looking at sustainability, but the use of other applications to get in. Is there a range of um, you know, active testing you're doing all the time just to, to see the tolerances in the turf? Yeah, I mean, soil testing, stuff like that, and just, you know, and, and figuring out where you can where you can push it a little bit and where you can be a little leaner um, and just, you know, trying to trying to make the, the turf a little bit tougher. Yeah. You know what I mean? So letting sometimes allowing, you know, some of the weaker varieties to to die back a little bit and let the tougher grass take over and, and just kind of trying to manage to that. Yeah, absolutely. And being seaside course, we've obviously seen the the Open Championship uh, just being played and, uh, um, you know, how that was browned out, as you talk about. And, and sometimes, um, you know, we do like to think the brown is good in golf rather than being this lush, lush playing surfaces all the time. Um, so it is really nice to see that approach, uh, especially with, uh, you know, a, a location of the course. And, I, and once again, I suppose where you are located in the United States as well, there's quite a degree of uh, variance in, in weather conditions from the winter to where, where you're finding yourself now in the summer. Yeah, so in, in, you know, New England, part of the United States, we have the four, four seasons mm. and we really have the four seasons. So we have the extremes on both ends, really can get really cold and snowy in the wintertime. At times it can get really hot and humid in the summertime. So mm. this summer we actually just went through probably one of the most difficult weather summers, you know, that I've ever experienced, yeah. just a lot of high heat and, uh, you know, it didn't rain for we got practically zero rain for at least an entire month. So yeah. um, it's definitely a year to, to figure out how far you can push things. Absolutely. You know, and water restrictions from the state. You know, I try to be very judicious anyway, yep. but uh, still even restricted by the state as to what we're allowed to put down. And we kind of, we're going to find out, you know, I think we've done a really, really good job keeping it going, but we're going to find out how far you can push it. So what do you do for water? Do you have uh, water on site? I know you just said you had to be managed by the state. Is that uh, through allocations or um, how are you getting your water? Yeah, so uh, we we draw from an underwater, I mean, an underground aquifer mm -hmm. from one single well. We have really good, clean water. We have a lot of water. Like the amount of water is not an issue. However, we're still permitted by the state as to how yeah. much we're allowed to draw per year. So I do have a permit that I have to follow. And then if the state gets put into drought restrictions, you know, they will they will tell us, you know, yep. from that permit, the percentage of that permit that we're actually allowed to use at that specific time. So, you know, even though I have one number right at this moment, we're in a severe drought, technically not allowed to use it. And I'm all for that. I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely following it to the letter of the law and doing, uh, you know, like I said, seeing how far you, you can push it a little bit. And, yeah. And, relying a lot on the hoses and hand watering and that's uh, a lot of work but you know we're, we're hopefully almost through it come august 15th is a little bit of the the light at the end of the tunnel for us is it right well that's not far away a couple of days away and then uh, Two days away. hopefully life gets a little bit easier so yeah. um as you say with certainly with that hand watering it does play a, a major role or major challenge i suppose for the team as well longer hours and and a whole range of uh things that they need to be doing to keep the uh, keep the uh, the water on the course right yeah and you know and uh being respectful of, of my our guys time and you know mm -hmm. what i mean their home life is very important to me and this year uh you know had to kind of get creative to to find ways to get people some time off and some time to relax and all that it's it's been a lot of work a lot of time dragging the hose around and um mm -hmm. but uh like I said, almost the light at the end of the tunnel, and we'll, we'll try to get everybody a chance to decompress a little bit, hopefully soon. That's right. 
So maybe delve into a little bit into the past now, and obviously um, there was that family connection. Is that what got you into the turf industry in the in the start, or what what made you get into into this game? So playing golf is really what got me into it. Okay. Uh, you know, my father played golf when I was a kid, and I just always wanted to do whatever he was doing. So he was out playing golf with his friends. I wanted to go out and play golf with him, and so he kind of got me into playing golf when I was, I would say, probably seven or eight years old. Um, and then I really started to pick it up uh, in my early teens, you know, got a junior membership to a local semi-private course, uh, you know, in my or close to my hometown and uh, started playing golf pretty much every day. And then once I was 15, kind of realized that I needed some money to, to support my snack shack habit, you know, <laughs> and yeah. uh, asked the, uh, the, so it was a nine hole semi-private, you know, yeah. of course the, the superintendent was also the golf pro. I asked him if I could have a job. He, you know, put me on the staff right away. My first job was just, uh, you know, picking the range and watering the flowers and stuff around the clubhouse. And then when I turned 16, they, uh, they asked if I wanted to be part of the grounds crew and uh, kind of never looked back from there. Just uh, joined the grounds crew once I was, you know, old enough to start yeah. driving equipment and, um, that same superintendent slash golf pro really kind of was my first uh, turf business mentor mm -hmm. and kind of uh, pushed me in the direction of, of becoming a golf course superintendent. I think he saw that I really enjoyed the work that we were doing, kind of talked to me about where I could potentially go to school mm -hmm. uh, to seek a degree in agronomy um, and uh, ended up at UMass Amherst. Yep. Uh, I got my my degrees in uh, turf management and plant soil and insect sciences and um, did a couple of internships and then uh, ended up here when I was 22 years old. So Yeah, and a great place to land. And so those 10 years in this, as an assistant, um, uh, you know, that was a great family, obviously a foundation for where you're going to in the future. But to tell us a bit about the life as an assistant superintendent. Yeah, so... I had a I had a good life as an assistant. The the superintendent here that I just recently took over for Sean McCormick, mm -hmm. he was the very first employee at Old Sandwich Golf Club. He was the growing superintendent, so he had all the knowledge, all of the you know he was here for it all. Mm -hmm. So I got to learn, you know, I got to learn from the man about, you know, what went into building this place, yeah. what went into seeding it, you know, all that stuff. So I really kind of got a leg up on all the agronomy stuff from him. He, you know, really taught me a lot. That whole like sustainability thing and, and stuff was important to me as a family connection, but he mm. taught me about how you can kind of achieve that in the turf business. So, um, and then we, we worked really well together as a team to, to kind of um, figure out how to be even, you know, how to do a better job and, and yeah. create a great playing surface and be sustainable. And, and, you know, he taught me all a lot about how to manage crew, obviously, and how mm -hmm. to respect people's time and home life and, and all that stuff. So yeah. he was my, definitely my 10 years working for him, my longest mentor in the turf business. And still, you know, he's been retired for almost a year now. And I, I still talk to him pretty regularly yeah. just to, just to check in and you know what I mean? And Absolutely. And it's great that you can have that connection and it goes beyond the time working together. And I suppose someone is a sounding board for you, maybe as you establish yourself now in this role. 
and then it provides you with that opportunity to, to make your own path. Being a golf superintendent now of a, a top 100 golf course in the world, how, how do you manage the expectations, I suppose, uh, of a membership and a management team and an ownership team to continue to strive to improve the golf course and, and maintain that ranking, I suppose? You know, we're lucky here in the sense that we don't have any committees. No, no green committee. We, myself as superintendent, I really only have to report to our general manager and the club president, definitely with some input from the ownership, but only really report to those two so far, you know what I mean? And I think they were this way with Sean too, is that they, uh, they kind of trust us as the expert on agronomy and turf and really take what we have to say about, about what's going out, going on out there on the golf course and, um, and let us run with it. Uh, Obviously the expectation is pretty high being a top 100 club and, you know, the membership expects a lot, but, uh, truly great membership. They, they so far, you know, always really love the product that we're putting out. They, um, you know, are really on board with that, that, you know, Brown is okay. You know what I mean? Because they love to see their ball bounce and roll for a hundred yards down the fairway. So, um, it might be entirely different than, most of the other courses that they see here in the United States, um, but they're, you know, fully on board and, and really love, you know, mm. like I said, to this point, the, the product that we're, that we're putting out there. Yeah. So um, it's nice to have a supportive, uh, supportive, you know, other senior management and supportive membership to, to try to achieve a goal that everybody is, uh, you know, proud of. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I'm sure there's probably a, quite a few envious superintendents out there to hear you say that to, to have to deal with multiple committees and and challenging uh challenging conversations um so how do you then go with with that um smaller management structure i suppose and and a, a relatively small you know needy membership but but uh experience expecting a lot out of the golf course how do you go in i suppose pushing that or or promoting that uh, turf expertise and educating the members on how the golf course plays or how it's conditioned? I think just trying to be visible and trying to be open to conversations when they, when they ask about, mm. about it and just being truly honest and open with the, the sen other senior management staff about what's going on out there. And then they help try to, you know, convey the message of what's going on out there. Um, yeah. And just to, you know, I, you know, being here for almost 11 years now, I've, I've gotten to know a good amount of the members, just mm. even in, in that assistant role. So, um, you know, it's nice that the guys that are really interested in talking about it, happy to talk to them about what's yeah. going on out there and, you know, and, uh, it's always nice to hear them appreciative of, of what you're putting out there. Very much so. Very much so. And, uh, obviously you said you got into the, got into this, the, the, I suppose the turf industry by playing golf, do you still get out and play? as much as you can and if so what sort of uh, handicap are you playing off and and uh and i suppose hopefully getting a chance to play around your golf course as well and experience as a golfer yeah so i try to play a little bit still uh I, my wife and i had our first child uh, almost three years ago now so yeah. that has really cut into the golf game but um you know i still try to play when i can even if it's just a few holes here and there try to play my own golf course it, it's definitely you know, walking your own golf course and playing golf is, is you get to see it from a different perspective. Mm. Um, so I feel like that is definitely an important part of the job, even if it's just four or five holes here and there, you know what I mean? Try to mix it up, play, play four or five different holes as much as possible. Yeah. Um, handicap these days has been climbing a little bit since, since we had our child. I think I'm up to about a 12 right now. You know, my, okay. my best playing days, I think I was down to like an eight, you yeah. know, when I was in high school. 
Um, so, you know, like a decent player, but, you know, I think the, the superintendent role is for me. I yeah. definitely a good enough player to understand um, what we're trying to achieve out there, mm. you know, for the golfers, but uh, definitely wasn't going to be a golf pro or anything like that. No, so. yeah, I think you picked, <laughs> well, where you, where you are, you picked a, a, a great decision to pick where you, with the direction you wanted to go. But as right. you say, it's a, talking to a number of uh, superintendents um, who do play the game, and obviously there's some that don't, but uh, they certainly do, it does allow you when you're out there to provide that insight or I suppose experience what the golfer is experiencing and uh, use that to help uh, your direction of maintaining the golf course or finding spots, I suppose, that may need more attention if you've hit the ball over there rather than uh, driving past in, in, your, uh, in your vehicle, taking a closer inspection of the ground. And I think I'm, we're lucky here that, you know, I have a really, really strong crew, really excellent assistant superintendents. And all of my assistants love to play the game of golf. A bunch of the guys on the crew love to get out there and play. You know, Old Sandwich as a club really loves to see us out there playing. We definitely get to, you know, get access out here. And it's really nice to, to have everybody else, you know, just about everybody else on the staff get out there. And, and they see things that I don't see. And, you know, they tell me the next day, like, hey, I was out playing yeah. golf and I saw this. And it's really helpful to, to have them interested in it. And, you know, especially the the assistants, if they are really into the game of golf, I think it, it really helps them in their careers mm. be able to understand what you're doing, why you're doing it, and uh, helps them to be hopefully successful superintendents in the future. Yeah, absolutely. We value support as a customer of True Turf. And um, how does rolling play a part in your maintenance practices at the club? Yeah, so rolling greens is a huge, huge part of our maintenance practice. Mm. I'd say uh, we roll you know, probably six days a week, sometimes yeah. seven days a week. Um, I'm more likely to skip mowing and just roll than mm -hmm. I am to do the, the opposite of that. I really believe that, you know, just the consistency green speeds that you can achieve out of rolling um, are, you know, obviously you have to mow your turf. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, yeah. Sometimes, you know, being able to just roll, just really, you get what you need out of it. You get the green speeds, you get the consistency out of it. Um, and, you know, you're able to, sometimes if you're, you know, skipping a mow, you're able to give your turf a little bit of break too. Mm. What do you, are you, yeah, I was speaking to um, uh, Paul Larson at Royal St. George's and he's now finding his, I suppose, his nirvana of, of leaving the leaf longer and still getting the speed out of his greens. And I suppose, especially at this time of year in the Northern Hemisphere of summer, it's a little bit easier to do that. But uh, right. are you finding, uh, sorry, obviously by skipping mowing, you are able to leave that leaf a little bit longer and it, it gives it a bit of a rest, I suppose, but uh, still then the smoothness and the trueness in the surface is, is uh, achieved through the rolling. Absolutely. And I think I my greens mowing height is slightly higher than, you know, a lot of people mm. maybe around here and just, through like consistent, you know, rolling, we're able to absolutely achieve green speeds that we that we want um, without having to, you know, cut it super low and, and beat yeah. it up, you know, with the mowers. Mm. Is there a certain speed you're looking to maintain or is it an expectation from the, the... I think there's a general, you know, a general stint meter speed that you're looking for. However, mm. in my 11 years here, I think we've pulled the stint meter out like three times. Yeah. So it's yeah. not like, you know, we're not having to post our speeds. It's just like mm. trying to get to a consistent, consistent speed pretty much on a daily basis. And, uh, um, you know, nobody is pushing us to, to tell you, oh, what are the greens rolling mm. today? They're just, as long as they're consistent on a daily basis, everybody's pretty happy. You know, the only times we've ever pulled the stint meter out is when when uh, an intern or an assistant is like, hey, I've never seen the stint meter. Yeah. Can you show me how it works? And, you know, so 
pulled it out this year just because one of the assistants had never even seen it before. Right, okay. Well, and I think that message about consistency, and that's what the golfers after, isn't it? They just want a consistent role. Um, and if it's the consistent the whole way around, they can have a great day putting because they know they're not having to suddenly have one that's going to get away from them or, or come up too short. So, um, you know, and that's, I think that's a great message around consistency. Yeah. What's your favourite part of the golf course? Have you got a favourite hole or a favourite part that um, really sticks out for you? Um, I mean, I do have a, a favourite hole. I think the 16th hole, um, the approach in green on the 16th hole is my favourite just because I talked a little bit about that ground game coming into mm. play. And I think that that's the most interesting approach and green for the ground game. It has a, um, like a nice downhill approach into a green, which is a super long par four, but you know, you could hit your approach shot 70 yards short and just watch the ball trundle down and end yeah. up pin high just, you know, and I played, I want to say two weeks ago, played a few holes by myself and I putted from a hundred yards off the green and just watched it roll down the hill. It was just a really fun, it's like watching a roller coaster. So really fun approach. Absolutely. Just, and it really highlights that ground game. Yeah, it's certainly, I think, uh, you know, once again, that's a great message out there as well. And we're, we're very fortunate here in Australia with uh, the Sandbelt and, and other courses um, uh, around the place where the ground game is very important. It's not all about landing on a target golf and, and hitting it to a, a softish green. It's about where you need to land the ball to get it to its, its whole. Um, it's the journey, I suppose, rather than the destination of getting it to getting it to there. And we saw, I think, um, Rory McIlroy, I think I saw in the practice round, I think it might have been, or at, uh, even oh, even in the, um, I think it was the Open Champions event that they had to celebrate the 150th Open on the second hole. And St Andrews hit his putter as his approach shot on the second hole, I think, from a similar distance to what you did the other day. And I just suppose it shows you how many different ways there are to play the game and, and get the ball in the hole at the end of the day. Yeah, and I think that, you know, just the being built on pure sand and being able to push it, mm. you know, with the firm and fast, um, and achieving nice, firm, consistent greens, part of that being with the rollers, uh, sometimes trying to fly it into the green here is just really not the best play, Yeah. you know, and, and trying to fly it a little bit short of the green or, or use a putter, you know, on your approaches and stuff. It's just the smarter play and you're going to be more successful with it. So um, I just, I think it's fun. It's, you yeah. know, it's, it's just not something that you necessarily, uh, you know, playing golf as a kid in the United States and stuff, you don't necessarily get to experience mm -hmm. that. So um, this place is just truly special for that. And it makes, it's a really fun round of golf. And that's what really, I'm really pleased to hear in this conversation, you know, the, the, the fun, I can see it, see it in your face as well as you're talking, <laughs> that it's an enjoyable, obviously a very enjoyable place to work, but the, um, the enjoyment is ex expanded by that ability to uh, have that fun on the golf course and find a different way to play the play the play a hole each time you go out. Yeah, and I think you really got to think about it. I think sometimes people come and play it for the very first time and they might get beat up a little bit. Mm. It's, it's not easy. It's a ch challenging mm. golf course, and you might have to play it a couple times, you know, to really start to uh, understand you know, the best way to play the property and, you know what I mean? And, and start really enjoying the way it's made, you know, made to be played. Mm, that's right. Um, with the, the course being relatively young, I suppose, in, in the course of things, um, uh, does uh, the uh, design team come, has been back or how do you go and manage the, I suppose, the, 
the the maintenance of the course uh, to to maintain the the design uh, philosophy, I suppose, of the of the golf course. So, uh, you know, Bill and Ben have not been back a whole lot. So, you know, talking about that former superintendent Sean McCormick, he was very close with Bill Core. So, um, I think that Bill put a lot of trust in him over the you know his 18, 19 year tenure here that. Uh, he was going to maintain the original design intent mm. as much as possible um, and be able to uh, maintain the golf course in a way that was going to really highlight what they did architecturally. Um, and I think luckily for me, I got to work for him for 10 years and, and hopefully have a good base of knowledge in, in what, uh, what is expected of us. Uh, you know, we have seen Bill back recently, um, last year he was here just walking the course with uh, an ownership from another club that he's mm -hmm. going to be working with. I'm just trying to kind of give them an idea of, 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 you know, like design intent and how things should be maintained, you know what I mean, for their course in the future. But uh, we really haven't changed much of anything over these over the years that uh, we've been open. So, um, you know, we eliminated one small bunker you know on one hole it was just a little bit too challenging yeah. uh for the membership and you know when when bill core was here last year he he was pretty understanding of that he you know he even said i think that uh, oh when i built that i wasn't sure if it was going to be you know too tough or not so we did eliminate that one bunker but aside from that um you know added a couple t's here and there you know some uh a, yeah. a few more like forward or middle t's and a couple back t's here and there but we really haven't made any any crazy changes to the golf course so i think if you know in the future if we needed to make a big change we would we would definitely want to consult um you yeah. know that design team to do so but as of now no plans to make any big changes and, and as far as i know you know no need to make any big changes yeah so, so the immediate plans now are to get through the summer a few days away hopefully from the tipping point where it um becomes a little bit easier um and uh, so uh and then I, I didn't ask before, but obviously, as we said, the different varying conditions. Is there a period of closure up there with, uh, I suppose it depends on the amount of snow or do you actually close for a period of time up there? Yeah, we're closed um, for about four months of the year, every right. year, uh, no matter what, uh, mm -hmm. even if we don't have a lot of snow, um, just, you know, a, a large portion of our membership goes south, yep. you know, down to Florida or Arizona mm -hmm. or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, you know, some golf courses in this area will stay open you know for the whole winter when they can if there's no snow but you know the the type of club that we are and you know our, our membership you know uh we don't stay open we're closed four months so it's a nice time to get some project work done yes absolutely. that's when we get a chance to take some vacation time mm. uh decompress a little bit so yeah so we're closed from about thanksgiving so end of November every yep. year until, you know, beginning to middle of April. Mm. So we're closed for our, our, our serious winter months. Yeah, yeah. And as you say, though, it's a great opportunity then, the golf course is still there, it's still going to need to be, uh, to be looked after, but an opportunity then when, it's, when it is closed and quiet to be able to get those various projects done that uh, sometimes in a busy summer period get pushed to the back. Right, yeah, so, you know, a little bunker work, a little drainage mm. work here and there, whatever needs to get done. Um, some tree work here and there, you know, we do have a, a lot of trees on property. So some trees have to come down or get trimmed yeah. or whatever every year. Um, and, uh, yeah, so a good chance to, to get out there with no golfers and, and get some stuff ready for the next year and prepare for the next year. And then, um, 
there's about nine of us that stay on staff all, yeah. all year long to get those projects and, and whatnot done and get prepped for the next year. And then, uh, you know, unfortunately we have to lay off, you know, a good amount of staff, but we have a lot of guys that return every year, a really yeah. nice core of, of guys that, that return to the staff every year. So. Oh, that's excellent. Well, yeah. look, I've taken a lot of your time and I really appreciate the conversation and, and telling us a little bit about Old Sandwich and your role and, and your path in that uh, uh, career journey that you're on. Uh, we wish you all the best for the rest of the summer and uh, thank you very much for joining us on the True Turf Super Series. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Great. Thank you very much.